0: That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
2: Hello. Hi. Welcome to Old Millennials, a deep dive on shallow topics. Well, actually, in this case, it'll be like um, a little bit of a wade into a pool since this is a mini episode. I am one of your co-hosts, Margot,
1: And I'm your other co-host, Emily.
2: And we are going to be talking about the currently controversial Hallmark Channel today and the movies that live therein, or mostly just like the holiday movies because that's what they're known for. Before we get too into it, I will have to say if we sound slightly less enthused than we normally do, or even in that previous episode where there was some like wild clipping, well, it's because we've already recorded this episode before. So the (laughs) thrill is mildly gone, but we still have a passion to talk about these. For horrendous sure. horror! For I always sure. called them horror movies. These horrendous holiday movies that I mean, we, in some cases, they
1: are kind of horror movies. Like the well, this the, current the, one, um, right, utopia,
2: the right before Christmas movie that I was telling you about with Chad Michael Murray, where he essentially stalks a woman who sends his mom a postcard for Christmas. Well, of that course. is sort of. I mean, that could be a plot line from you, for all that I know. For season, sure, season two coming December twenty sixth. Netflix, for please give us sure. money. <laughs> But yes, these little holiday movies that we love to put on in the background that are interchangeable plot lines and white people are currently under fire. Well, for a number of reasons. I think this year, because Hallmark and Lifetime, especially now that Lifetime has the Lifetime Movie Network, which just shows Lifetime movies nonstop, that was like where they decided that they were going to start making some holiday movies. And somehow, I'm not sure if Hallmark and Lifetime are under like the same umbrella, but Lifetime started making more, if you will, progressive holiday movies as of late. And because I believe that they're kind of what
1: people of color and LGBTQ people and like showed the world that we actually live in.
2: And like as we were had talked about in, I think, in the Netflix episode, how they had that movie Twinkle All The Way that had like a gay couple in it. Hallmark and Lifetime being a part or being held in association with Lifetime is forcing Hallmark to have to kind of for lack of a better term, come to Jesus about some of the things that are um, the not so fun tropes But like a good Jesus, like the
1: liberal liberal Jesus, like the one that's all love thy neighbor and don't judge people and let God decide on things and not cast no stones. And also like
2: make sure the homos stay away from the children. And it's fine if you're gay, but I don't want to see that. So I think recently before all this stuff with Zola even happened, the CEO of Hallmark was being challenged by reporters about why they don't have any gay representation at all, like not even like a side character, not even like like a shop owner, nothing at all. Like, it's fine if, cause they keep saying, Hallmark keeps saying that, you know, oh, you know what? We're gonna have, you know, a same sex couple soon. Eventually, we're open to it, you know, we're thinking about it. But what about something a little bit more actionable, like an extra, or again, an uncle, or an aunt, or the person who picks up your kids from school, like literally anybody, like a side character. And then, since they've been getting away with having to fully answer for these questions, it came to light recently that actually it's one million moms who, I mean, fuck that fucking group to begin oh, with. Like, God. they're the fucking worst. They are horrible. They're. It's one of those things where, like, fundamentally, I should like agree with you guys, but you guys are like, um, in the '70s, those like women against porn. Like, they're just like those people. It's like, look, it's none of your fucking business, and it's really not that big of a deal to begin with. So why don't you just go find some other cause that needs this much enthusiasm and passion? But it all started because yeah. Zola dared to show a same-sex couple in their com- in their God commercial, which is insane.
1: 2019, a same-sex couple is shown on TV. God forbid. Also,
2: what was that thing that God happened forbid. with Campbell's soup earlier this year, where they were like, "Look, sir, if you don't like the soup, you can go fucking eat whatever else." Or I don't even remember.
1: I don't even remember. I mean, they probably, as they've been doing in many of these, you know, household brand commercials, they finally started showing that families are not always going to be one father, one mother cisgender couple with children that families look different. Um, they have different makeups and they dare to show that on TV. And then you have these crazy groups, like 1 million moms who take it out on them and say, God forbid someone show, like someone show something that looks a little bit different. Like it, it baffles the mind that these people find the time to that, that, that would be their crusade. Like they can't spend the time instead of, Determining how other companies should be catering to their audience. Why don't they spend some time raising their own children?
2: But I just feel like, you know, you're getting fully dragged when Freeform jumps on Twitter and is like, hey, Zola, hit us up. We're not afraid of inclusivity. I was like, oh, shit, dude. You oh. just got murdered on Twitter by Freeform. Seriously. And I mean, I feel um, like we were sort of we did ourselves a disservice by not making it a point to watch that Leah Michelle holiday movie on ABC this time next Christmas or whatever because apparently that has interracial couples. It has a gay brother. It has a I believe the lead is black. The I mean, obviously not Leah Michelle, who is a white girl, but um I believe the her love interest in it is Black and just shows all sorts of different walks of life. So there's a widower, even though that is, you know, Hallmark bingo is like having a dead spouse is part of the um dance that we do, shall we say, on in a Hallmark movie. But I feel like we should have watched that instead of watching Hallmark. Although I don't regret watching both of them. It's kind of funny to watch the fall of Vince, aka Adrian Grenier. What did you say? It's like a reverse entourage.
1: It's like a reverse entourage. Like we, we discussed this. Like you go from like teen movie who them to entourage. to I would, I would say teen
2: heartthrob who, who them. That was yeah. definitely it.
1: Like MTV Undressed. Like you you started your career on something like undressed on MTV.
2: Well, should we talk about these movies? I mean, so we tried to play the same game as we did with the Netflix movies and you know, spoiler alert. I told on myself in my little synopsis wrap up, but I think it's worth kind of running through the names of the movies that we might hypothetically watch before we get into the ones that we did watch just because all of them, you know when you it's just like holiday word magnets that you threw at your fridge, you're like yes, that's it. So what were the four that you would potentially watch? Um, a Christmas detour, a Christmas love story,
1: a very merry mix-up, and a royal Christmas.
2: Yeah, they're all pretty basic, but all of them always have to have the word Christmas in it. Yep. Or something about like Santa. Like something
1: pertaining to it.
2: Christmas, yeah, merry, Santa. I have the mistletoe secret, Christmas at the plaza, Christmas at Graceland, Colin home for the holidays, which is the Adrian Grenier one, and Christmas yes. at Pemberley Manor. Do you, so I they all read. have to have like a Christmas at destination? Yes. Like they, they're they're sure. big on destinations because they want to set this like fairy tale because they buy this city in Canada every year and shoot hella stuff, sort of like a factory stamping these out. And it really kind of starts to have that feel at a certain point, especially when you watch more than one Hallmark movie in a row. So I'm actually a little bit, well, I guess you got to suspend your disbelief to a certain extent, but I'm really surprised that people can kind of suspend it this much because there's so, it doesn't even look cold most of the time. No, It looks like they're blowing like the shittiest little mashed, mashed potato Uh, flakes at them and the sun is still out and they're sweating in their turtlenecks. And there are some that don't actually fully capture that Christmas vibe, but they're trying to super hard by making up for it with a ton of fucking Christmas decorations, Like a home goods
1: threw up all over the place. For sure. For sure. And I will say, I think that lends itself well, because no one in this, in this, in these movies ever looks like rosy cheeked or like particularly pale like everyone looks like they're pleasantly comfortable which is not like what you would look like in a real life winter wonderland like this
2: no one is coming in from the cold everybody is trying desperately to take off their park yep yep and there's so many that's why some of these actually end up kind of looking a little bit like a play in some ways because they're sort of trying to be quarantined to the indoors because the outside shots don't really match. Like there are some shots from Pemberley Manor where there's supposed to be a delay. I mean, they're, they're sort of exaggerating a delay but there's still supposed to be some sort of delay because there's like ice on the ground and the helicopter can't take off and they're like it's getting very late sir and the sun is literally still out like only in Hobbs and Shaw have I seen such an egregious day for (laughs) a night shot and even Hobbs and Shaw at least that like is funny to me personally no of course I think it's just insane yeah
1: The difference here being Hobbs and Shaw realizing how ridiculous it is and playing to that and everyone appreciating it versus these Hallmark movies, which like they I think sometimes realize they're a little extra but are still like playing to like a very serious audience of people who firmly are fans of the movies fully believe and buy into this whole notion that they are in the midst of like some tundra.
2: Well, those are the same people who yell back at you. It's not Happy Holidays; it's Merry Christmas. Or the ones that like be
1: a lesbian couple on a Zola commercial on.
2: And also, would be the kind of person that would like write Starbucks about their holiday cups and get really upset about that kind of stuff.
1: It's like every grade, not every grade school teacher, but a lot of grade school teachers I had growing up in Catholic school who were just like, make sure you never write Xmas. You need to keep Christ in Christmas.
2: Oh, my God. I remember that from Sunday school, too. And I'm like, Xmas is so much easier, though. (laughs) Don't you guys know that? Latin people knew what they were. People who know Latin know what they're doing. Exactly. Seriously. Let's just leave it. It's fine. But, yeah, they're also kind of probably the same kind of people that yell, like, the spirit at Christmas at each other because that's one prevailing theme in all these Hallmark movies. Are people saying the most unhinged Yuletide greetings at each other as if they're just canon? Like, they're Frosty the Snowman and shit. Like, in Pemberley Manor, they shout at each other about the spirit of Christmas as if it's just something that people – I don't think I've ever heard a single person say that to me in my real life ever.
1: No, no. I mean, people say like get that Christmas spirit, but like a full on reflection on the spirit of Christmas.
2: No, but even like, oh yeah, it's just it's the spirit of Christmas. I'm yeah, like, exactly, what? exactly.
1: <laughs> that's exactly. what's
2: that's what's gonna fix my financial problems. That's what's gonna pay my college loan debts. Is the spirit of you know, Christmas? I didn't know. You know that. what I
1: realized? You know what I realized though is that in some cases here, like they never always they don't always reference the birth of Christ or the nativity story, and so it feels a little bit like the spirit of Christmas is. The Their way of being as secular as they can get on the Hallmark Network, like that's their kind of. That's their Jesus in the middle of a slow dance. That's their wink, wink.
2: (laughs) That's their Jesus and leave room for Jesus in the middle of your slow dance. That's that's leave room for this Christmas. It's. Wasn't there? Oh my God! Actually, you know what? No, I'm not going to butcher this Jewish holiday tradition of which I know like a passing amount, but. I, maybe I'll try it anyway, but you leave like a glass of wine out for some spirit during some high holy day. And potentially, I can't remember what the spirit's name is, but it definitely tickled me. And I was like, this is why I should have been Jewish. Like I, my parents really fucked up going Catholic or staying Catholic for that matter, because we don't get to do delightful things like leave out a glass of wine for a ghost. So he'll bless our homes.
1: Right. No, when I hear about various like Jewish superstition and I hear about various Jewish traditions, I'm like, I'm so much more in line with this than anything I was taught in my Catholic beginnings. Like And we can keep the so most in a- part
2: of, of Catholicism, which is the guilt. It's just a one for one there. It's a one for one. But unfortunately, I don't exactly. think Hallmark's ever gonna do even a Jewish couple at this point what? experiencing the spirit of Hanukkah.
1: <laughs> so i i recently read about this they release quote-unquote hanukkah movies but they all have some sort of tie into christmas like it's a jewish person like who's who's dealing with like uh their significant other who celebrates christmas there's some shit like that oh, okay as a, hum, as a hanukkah movie it's a but real it's not a hanukkah-
2: situation great.
1: exactly not in a qoc kind of way no
2: more in like a gross like here's a Lenovo laptop. <laughs> Right, exactly. Make sure it's exactly. pointing out towards the camera. Oh my god. Well, nothing well, yeah, nothing was weirder sorry about than the Netflix um night before Christmas, there was like an Alexa situation happening. I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait. are Netflix and Amazon joining forces? Are they going to become okay. the Disney Plus of streaming services?"
1: I mean mark my words in the next year or two if there isn't any antitrust legislation that goes into play then that is a very big possibility but let's not I won't make this about No let's let's circle back law. to your
2: hallmark <laughs> prediction that next year you think that Hallmark movies are going to start when
1: Oh Labor Day I I, I, I see am it
2: i see it because they started doing it like even just in november and then didn't they do a christmas in july situation yes
1: well this year they started october 26th because i remember seeing an ad for it that they started even before halloween this time around but i also think that
2: they had a christmas in july where they like probably re-released because i remember trying to watch pemberley manor over the summer being like this isn't christmas and boy am i glad that i watched pemberley manor (laughs)
1: Probably did. I mean, that's that sounds very Hallmark. And uh, according to all these commercials that I've seen after watching several hours of Hallmark in the last few weeks, Cameras Cander and Bureau has uh, informed us that we will be getting Valentine's movies and Easter movies and Fourth of July movies and Memorial Day movies. I mean, like, why not? Most of these movies, day.
2: even though they do look good from a production standpoint, look like they... Crank them out pretty easily. Like they have a formula and this is what they're going to do. But mark my words, Administrative Professionals Day will get its own movie
1: on the Hallmark <laughs> Channel next year. Emily, we
2: already have that movie. It's called Labor Day, starring Lindsay Lohan. Everybody knows that. <laughs> oh, but one thing I learned the other day, thanks to a very, very iconic podcast with Danny Pellegrino, is that the same people who wrote Holiday in the Wild, the um, Charlotte movie that I watched on Netflix. Right with Rob also wrote the stalker movie right before Christmas as well. Oh my God! So these holiday script people, like I know it's a good First gig. just like open the they door a little it. bit. Open. We can write the administrative day movie. Be the definitive one to write that canon. So uh,
1: I think there's a lot of potential there, but that is kind of crazy considering like how problematic in some ways Rob Lowe's character. Well, not really problematic, but kind of douchey. Rob Lowe's character was in that movie, and it's like, oh, that leads itself nicely into like this Christmas stalker movie. <laughs>
2: I mean, I think the one thing that all holiday movies have in common, or at least, you know, made-for-TV ones, are that people are, like, immediately so trusting in Christmas at Graceland, colon, Home for the Holidays. Adrienne Grenier just immediately trusts this white blonde woman who used to work at the museum, uh, at the Graceland Museum, with his kids, and lets her move into his house with little to no questions. And she... She didn't have a sword, but it was almost as quickly as Vanessa Hudgens being like, yes, strange man who I don't fully believe is from the 1300s, but definitely has a sword and says indeed a lot. Come live in my back house. Like, it's literally the same plot minus the time traveling.
1: I mean, 95 minutes. Uh, it's We, we got to start trusting people within 15 minutes here. I mean, it's Emily, it's less build. than
2: 15. I mean, they got it down You're in like right. a tight five. They're like, yes, you look cool. True. Great if they have like one thing in common
1: with those children like then they get to take care of the children within 10 minutes like oh you you like pizza our child likes pizza as well you can take care of them for the next 3 weeks
2: obviously like, none the, of these people have like, ever the seen the omen <laughs> so as we both notice hallmark has a really interesting way of writing up the synopses for these movies which is to say that they don't really do a very good job of it and even consistently at all no. but i think my favorite description no. was for christmas at grace and home for the holidays it was described as a quote-unquote likely sequel yeah well you know what i uh, during my
1: uh together of our photoshopped image i found out i think it is in fact a sequel like there was a christmas at graceland right but this is sort of like
2: a ryan murphy situation where it's an anthology in the sense where it's none of the same people because i believe the first one had kelly pickler in it who is like lacey uh lacey chabert and kelly pickler are like the princesses of the hallmark channel movies with candace cameron beret being the queen bee so they have to just like wait for her to die or get indicted on like federal embezzlement charges just like Lori laughlin did but
0: (laughs) but that's Uh, sort of like the
2: hierarchy that i see and then there's also tori devito who i believe was like a cw person she's in that right before christmas movie as well i swear i haven't seen it i'm just like obsessed with the trailer
1: speaking of the cw slash the wb what did i text you the other day Carly Popolardo is starring, or Carly Pope is starring in a movie that they're airing, I think, this upcoming week on the Hallmark Channel. So I feel like that's, again, much like Adrian Grenet's uh, trajectory. If you were a teen heartthrob, like the WB was your starting ground, then you maybe made one or two decent movies and then landed on the Hallmark Channel and one or two uh, decent movies.
2: I mean, one could only be so lucky to have good, consistent work because not to continue to harp on like Hallmark's current situation, but Hillary Burton of One Tree Hill fame came out saying that she was offered a Hallmark movie and that it paid really really well and it was close to her house and it was like an easy shoot schedule. Which like I believe all of that, but she said that in order for her to sign on to do it, they needed to be a little bit more inclusive. There needed to be you know a gay character, like more than one black person. Like she just like asked for a bunch of stuff, and when the script came back. In like her final stage of negotiation, she saw that none of her notes made it in, so she walked away from it, and they gave it to somebody else. Then she was kind of bummed, but luckily, she's in the sort of position where she's allowed to make these kind of demands and not have to worry about a paycheck or like missing a mortgage payment or whatever. So I thought it was very interesting to kind of get these glimpses behind the curtain, as I have been getting with Hallmark movies as time goes on. Obviously, the more you end up finding out about how the sausage gets made, for lack of a better term.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty fascinating. I have to say, like, I think maybe one day I feel like we've been getting a lot of really good documentaries about certain record labels or certain studios. Like, I do think one day there'll be a really fascinating uh, documentary on Hallmark and its movie production. And just like, what we've heard from in terms of controversies is just like the tip of the iceberg. Like I have a feeling something is going down and we don't even know yet. That's just my theory. Well,
2: I mean, it's sort of like streaming wars. It's they're not the only game in town anymore. So if they don't kind of step up, I don't really know. I mean, obviously they have a lucrative business model, but obviously there's a a need and a demand for more inclusivity and diversity in their movies. And if they don't keep up with the times, then, you know, all I got to say is look at the mall, see where that got you. I'm going to go through a little bit of the summary for Christmas at Graceland colon home for the holiday so I can stop being a douchebag and saying it that way. Just like a quick rundown. Some of my notes are in here because, I mean, I feel like they're a little bit bonkers just like this movie. And by the way, Hallmark movies are far too long. Netflix has it down. The Night Before Christmas was like an hour 15, like the perfect length, even though I've been told that Christmas Prince colon royal baby is not very good. Unbearable. Not good
1: would agree i think that the hallmark movies can sometimes take it take too long introduce too many characters like i don't need that many secondary characters that's too much expository like that's used solely for expository dialogue like unnecessary
2: so Christmas at Graceland Colin Home from the Holidays was described as a likely sequel on IMDb, and it's about Harper, a world-traveling museum cur- curator, which, by the way, all of them have this job as if it's completely normal and commonplace. She goes home totally normal. to Memphis, which I had written in my notes as Nashville mistakenly. She goes home to Memphis for the holidays, hence the name, and takes her nieces to her old job at Graceland and meets a successful widower who is a father of three. Adrian Grenier's character, obviously, also, there's always a widower. As these things go, she ultimately accepts his offer to be his temporary nanny so she can stay in his guest house for free while she waits to hear about another European museum curator job because those are just so easy to come by. She's just fucking, like, drowning in museum yeah. curator offers where she gets Shooting. to travel the world. Yeah, She inevitably gets him, Adrian Grenier, to open up and not be so emotionally closed off and she saves his annual Christmas dinner party by decorating it well. They obviously catch feelings and she realizes how much she enjoys living near her family and must decide if her home for the holidays will be her forever home. Spoiler, it is. So Priscilla Presley makes an appearance in this movie and she looks fucking scary. I don't like to talk shit about women's bodies or faces but that is some bad plastic surgery. Like, it looked like it didn't look good when she came on screen. I was like, "Oh my god, like <laughs> I've seen a ghost." She doesn't even just like walk up; she just like appears behind them. And she's like, "I'm Priscilla Presley. Welcome to And I'm like, "Obviously, this never fucking happens." But where the fuck no. did you even come from? She just materializes, so it, like added to like the spooky factor.
1: Was there some sort of like factor in here where Priscilla Presley only let them use the estate if she was featured in this movie? Like, do they actually film? In at Graceland, or is it just?
2: I think they. I mean, I didn't really do any research about the actual locations that they use, but it it looked, for all intents and purposes, to my eyes, like the at least the front of it. Like they could have recreated the inside, probably not. I wouldn't say quite easily, but maybe some more common places. They just throw up some walls or whatever, because I highly doubt they would let them film in there because it's it's a museum, and I don't think they have the budget. But they probably shot outside. But this movie has one one. Elvis Presley song for being named Home for the Holidays, Christmas at Christian or whatever. And obviously Priscilla Presley being in the movie and that movie using an Elvis song feels like they're kind of contingent on each other. But I don't know. I mean, yeah. again, if I'm ever rich or, you know, like Priscilla Presley, I would never need to show my face ever again. And isn't that the dream? No. Like I don't get it.
1: That really is the dream. That's why I've always said I want to become famous for writing like three or four songs where I get royalties. Like if I wrote all I want for Christmas is you, I just read recently Mariah Carey has made $60 million in just from royalties from all I want for Christmas is you.
2: And to think that she has a bunch more money on top of that is crazy because all I would need is $60 million for literally the rest of my life.
1: I know that's what I want. I just want want, want to write one hit Christmas song and it's for someone else. So I never have to perform it ever again.
2: And then I'm good. I'm stuck for life. Yeah. Just like Candy Burris, right? No scrubs and also a bunch of other shit, but just live off the royalty. So your dumb husband can like misappropriate your funds and open restaurants. Although, you know, I heard old lady gang is really good, but he seems like that was just (laughs) sheer luck for him. Anyway, I also wrote in my notes, wow, these three kids are so well adjusted for having a dead mom. I'd be a fucking monster. Also his but wife that's how all these Also are. his wife died 3 years ago so it's not that long ago but just long enough ago so that it's okay if he falls in love
1: right i've noticed that a lot in these movies it's just like oh man things haven't been the same since mom died two years ago like a very clear let's oh it's okay guys it's been a full two years so it's okay if dad finds love again this is like the same deal in my movie of christmas love story
2: right yes but yours also has like an adoption plot twist where like this it doesn't go without saying we should note that all of these movies are incredibly g-rated like so fucking chase they only. Ever kiss as everybody knows in the last like three minutes of the movie, but again, like I heard about right before Christmas, they kissed twice in that movie, and that feels like oh wow, they took like a baby step into the future.
1: Controversial, controversial, too tight lip kiss. So, I
2: also wrote my notes, it's the most virginal time of year. Seriously, I called Harper annoying because she talks about fucking Copenhagen all the time. She's definitely that girl from college who started every sentence by saying, So, like, during my semester abroad.
0: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
1: Yeah, and she probably wore a lot of hats. In this movie, I think we talked about this. She did not, but normally in college she would have.
2: It's really distracting watching Hallmark movies because there's always a bunch of shit going on in, like, the lower thirds. Like, there's something zooming in at you from the left. And then on the right, there's, like, Holly. And, like, it's their watermark in the corner and all this other shit. And, like, I feel like I can't really wrap my mind around what's going on in the movie because I'm like, tidings of joy coming up next. And you're watching Christmas at Pemberley Manor. And then in two weeks, stay tuned for Santa's kiss. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, I'm having a seizure, like, watching this.
1: Want text updates about the latest <laughs> and greatest? Hallmark four three five two one. It's like the
2: whole <laughs> lower third of the entire screen is taken up by like just a ticker tape of like shit going on. It's like watching the E channel all the time, but it's Christmas themed. I mean, even even our movie poster, the one I photoshopped,
1: it had like a green banner already in there. I didn't put that in there; it was already there because that's what they do with all their movies. They take over like a very large percentage of the movie poster to have like the slap that. Hallmark that banner, banner
2: is it's, it's, not a pencil banner. I will tell you that much. No,
1: no, ma'am. Just no. a couple
2: last thoughts before I get to the end, which is actually a review from IMDb that made me laugh really hard for some reason. Vinny from Entourage is not a believable father. <laughs> this movie feels as long as the hour and a half of The Irishman that I watched. And that's
1: saying, and of course
2: she gets the dream museum job and it gets offered to her at a party question mark, not super professional, but okay. And lastly, but definitely not leastly ladies do not give up your dream job for a man, let alone Adrian Grenier. And now time for second opinions (laughs) from IMDb. Love doesn't have a schedule. It comes from the heart that you cannot control. This movie gives us hope that one day, one moment, we'll find that one person that will make us forever happy. Enjoy. There's so many exclamation points in this review. It is deranged. Is absolutely unhinged.
1: Oh God, I think someone wrote that after like one too many hot chocolates that were like laced with cocaine. <laughs> Just your
2: typical cocaine hot chocolate. Merry Christmas Hey coco co- co- cocaine cocaine.
1: I just sound like a very Gary Busey Christmas song. You sound over like
2: Dr. Anyway, <laughs> who is definitely not okay for the Hallmark channel?
1: <laughs> what if that's in Hallmark's plans for the next 10 years? Like they have the regular Hallmark channel, but then there's like Hallmark XX or something. It's just like, <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> That'd be scary. Oh, man. So I, I think I'll go into the plot of a very Christmas love story. And I had to like read this again. Sorry, a Christmas love story. It feels like there should be a very in this. It's just
2: a Christmas. All of love story. their titles um, are usually three words or so, unless yeah, they have a colon and like then that. they're like, whatever, cool. a likely sequel.
1: A likely sequel, of course. So basically Christian Chenoweth uh, plays a once upon a time Broadway musical star, not much of a stretch role there, who is now directing, who left that career and was kind of a one hit wonder in that world and left that career to be a choir director in New York. Uh, she, every year is directs a Christmas Eve show, which as we've discussed, like on what planet, and this happens in every Hallmark, Netflix, what have you Christmas movie. Why on earth does everyone not have plans on Christmas Eve? Like, I don't know about you. Maybe it's the French in us, but like Christmas Eve is a bigger deal than Christmas I day. I also think family. it might like, be like the a day Catholic, day Catholic
2: thing too. Cause there was always yeah, mass on true. Christmas Eve for the first yeah. 13 years of my life. So I I, I also agree. Christmas Eve is the big deal. Christmas Day can go fuck itself. It is kind of insane how many holiday movies are predicated upon this big event at the very end that culminates on Christmas Eve. Like people aren't traveling or out of town. Everything's always packed. I'm like, what world are we in?
1: I don't get it. I, I really don't. But I guess it works well for this plot
2: to make it even more Christmas. That's their main goal. Maximum anyway, Christmas. I'm surprised they don't have a movie called max, Maximum, maximum Christmas.
1: Christmas. Next year, Margot. Next see. year. <laughs> There's a writer out there who writes for Hallmark who's listening to this podcast. So she, her normal Broadway writing partner, drops out on her because apparently his kids have surprised him with a trip to Switzerland. <laughs> question mark. Anyway, she has to write
2: this Emily, big you don't number on her own. That people she, with tri- trips to Switzerland. What's wrong with you? Where's your Christmas spirit?
1: I mean, I know I'm a terrible, terrible friend. Relative, lover, <laughs> what have you? I'm just Christmas an awful gift giver, apparently. Uh-huh. Total Grinch. I right, so she normally writes this song with this guy, or he writes the song. But this year he's out of the picture, so she has to write this big number for the Christmas Eve concert. Upon the through various rehearsals, she stumbles upon this kid who's there to kind of volunteer and help with props or whatever, and he has this incredible voice. But we find out that he is uh, joining the choir for this Christmas concert against his dad's wishes. Uh, his dad thinks that he is working for a FinTech startup as a volunteer. This kid is 17 years old and he's applying to college. And apparently some FinTech startup is all about him coming to work for them. I I don't know on what planet, but okay, Jan, uh, the dad is played by Scott Wolf from party of five. And, uh, after Kristen Chenoweth kind of warms up to him or, um, convinces him. Uh, he lets his son be a part of this Christmas choir concert and of course a romance blossoms between Kristen Chenoweth and Scott Wolfe's characters. During that time we find out that Kristen Chenoweth gave up a baby for adoption many years ago when she got pregnant um, and Scott Wolf lets her know that in turn his son, the, the kid with the good voice whose name is Danny, uh, is in fact adopted. Um, uh, he and his now deceased wife because of course he's a widower. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, Take a drink. But- ding, ding, ding. Remember this for later. They adopted their son. And so later we find out in this plot twist that that son that she gave up for adoption is in fact this kid Danny and that Danny had sought out looking for his birth mother, found out it was Christian Chenoweth's character and just, oh, you know, played with along and saying that he kind of just stumbled upon volunteering for this plot twist. And that's how plot twist but with this complication in their lives uh all is forgiven at the end uh people reconcile everyone's happy not that there was much reconciliation but i'm maybe i'm taking this from nicholas sparks movie week but (laughs) anyway everybody hugs and kisses at the end the christmas show is amazing kristen shenna with duets with the her adopted well biological and then a presumed to be adoptive son later because she and scott wolf end up together and that is kind of all some of the interesting things to point out in this movie are on what planet does everyone's apartment in the, these movies look incredible for whatever job they have like this woman it's like the I sex mean, in the this city had to effect almost this. in some ways it is it's it is. It's the chase sex in the city effect because unless Kristen Chenoweth's one hit wonder musical was like cats or some shit, she is living large. Her apartment just looks like a Wayfair I don't want showroom, Kristen Chenoweth's claim to fame to
2: be cats though. Please let's not <laughs> do this.
1: No, no. She deserves better than that. You're absolutely right. She, deserves But as you
2: know from but, watching Christmas in Handcuffs recently, which was also not shot in New York, but she manages to live in this enormous loft. You're like, how do people afford this? Not in any real And they're always like a waitress or a public happen. school teacher or like yes. a social worker. Yes. You're like, what? No.
1: And, and And they're like, yeah, oh yeah, it's kind of shabby chic. And I'm like, yeah, but it's like shabby chic in the sense that like, these things were all bought from anthropology and they all cost thousands of dollars. Yeah, like, exactly. No way in hell. No way in hell. Um, And then that adoption plot twist was weird because it just really comes in the last 20, 25 minutes of the movie. And so you're just kind of left to feel like some conflict was necessary in this. And I mean, backstory is that Kristen Chenoweth was in fact adopted and her mom gave her up under a very sim- similar circumstance. But do we really need that conflict to be that in the last 25 minutes like it was just kind of an unnecessary plot point i think there could have been conflict elsewhere with just like this kid you know not being allowed to sing and then is allowed to sing because his dad recognizes how talented he is i I feel like the adoption thing was just kind of forced upon us and really just an unnecessary you don't think it's because
2: kristen chenoweth is also adopted that they're like oh yeah let's just like make that a thing too
1: Oh, it totally is. Cause I'm pretty sure if I recall correctly, she might be a producer on this, or at least have had some sort of like involvement in the production of this movie. Um, so I definitely think there's some of that. Um, and then the other final thing for me is just like kind of Zach in a Zach Efron high school musical fashion. Like we're supposed to believe this kid has never sung in his entire life and has uh, all of a sudden heard a ca- it came upon a midnight clear for the first <laughs> time in his life that day and can perfectly play it on a piano and sing it like quite beautifully. Like on what planet other than Hallmark movies and high school? Musical? I'm with you
2: both shot it's also one of those things that gives kids (laughs) false expectations of what their life is gonna be like (laughs) like you're not just gonna like pick up the guitar and like be randomly very good at it you're not a prodigy hardly anybody is no
1: no one no one i mean it's just hardly absolutely i mean it's just unbelievable and false expectations um but all in all look i enjoyed this film i think kristen jenoweth and scott wolf had really good chemistry they're both great actors so i was happy with it that's pretty much what i have to say about a Christmas. well i'm so glad that scott
2: wolf ended up somewhere because i think scott speedman was on that weird show that was like what what is this called with um the girl from walking dead and i was like huh Felicity, two two of three oh, Felicity yeah. cast members are still getting work. I wonder where Scott's at. The other oh, one, Scott. Oh shit! I'm five. sorry.
1: Speaking of what's his face? Oh, uh, Scott. Scott he's on Scandal. No, um, not so. Scott Seaman's one of them, and then the I other just said his one name. is Scott Foley.
2: No. Yes. Yes. I was yes. like, wait, is yes. Scott Foley yeah, right. a yeah. new kid? It's both uh, <laughs> no, no, no. A kids no, in no. the hall. I almost said new kids on the block. Wow. Scott Foley, I feel like Scott my brain Foley. is melting out of my ears, so I better get to Christmas at Pemberley Manor, which is an incredibly loose interpretation of Pride and Prejudice. Based, Well, it's an incredibly loose interpretation of Pride and Prejudice in the sense that they borrow themes, sort of, but mostly they just steal all the character's name. Case in point, the main character's name is Elizabeth Bennett. But she, in this case, is a New York City-based I guess I can just say New York-based event planner. She travels to the East Coast to organize a Christmas festival in Lambton at this lavish place called Pemberley Manor. Although she's denied at first, Elizabeth convinces William Darcy, another uh, Pride and Prejudice straight-lifted, to let her use the family's property for her celebration. During the party planning, Elizabeth reminds the Scrooge-like Darcy of the magic of Christmas and the powers of falling in love. Borrowing things from Pride and Prejudice very loosely, though... It's basically a whimsy lady has to decide between a dork and a kind of dickish businessman because the kind God. of dork is the town's mayor who is her friend from, I believe, law school, to be completely honest. And it's in my notes. I was checking my email throughout this movie, so I wasn't like fully in there. I couldn't really like get my eyes on a confirmation of whether or not she went to law school, but the mayor of this tiny town who hires her to do this. Definitely went to law school and they know each other from college, but they keep mentioning a law school. But before we get into all of that boring white bread nonsense, we need to talk about the fact that Meredith Blake is Elizabeth's boss and her name is Caroline Bingley. Elaine motherfucking Hendricks is in the house. I'm so happy to know that she got well paid on this movie.
1: Perfect Caroline Bingley casting. I love her in everything I've ever seen her in. She's great. She did so well playing to the Dennis Quaid engagement announcement to a 26-year-old.
2: We stan you. Remember when you watched Parent Trap and you found out that Meredith was 26 and you're like, oh my god, that's so old. And then now we're older than that and we're like, oh, whoops. Yeah. I'm
1: to Dennis Quaid's age, a parent age in the parent trap. I think they're like the parents are supposed to be 36, 35 because apparently they had the the girls at like very young age. But yeah, they're like, I'm very close now to the parents in the parent trap age, which is.
2: What was the. Gary. Oh, God. Say that. What was the nanny's name? I want to get close to her age. I want to get close to Kessie's age. Or Chessie.
1: Chessie. Right? Isn't it Chessie? Like Chessie. Chesty, but not. Yes. Anyway.
2: Yes, some more thoughts scattered thoughts the love interest william darcy is is also the producer from season two of the show unreal he wants to tear down the spirit of christmas and pemberley manor to build condos so his family owned pemberley manor and he's the only son and both of his parents are dead so it is bequeathed to him and he wants nothing to do with it because he doesn't care about christmas and he's a scrooge and yada yada and so he's selling it to these real estate developers that are going to tear it down and turn them into condos. But he doesn't care because he's going to take all that money because he's already rich, obviously. He's going to take all the money that he makes from the sale and puts it into like a nonprofit or like a foundation or some other bullshit like that. So the mayor that I was talking about earlier has what I like to call, he's got big Ryan Reynolds energy, but like the Bobo version of Ryan Reynolds, like trying kind of too hard to like land the joke. And you're like, okay, we get it. You're like the funny one. You don't have to try so hard. But he looks just like Jason Sudeikis, but the Bobo version of that, like Jason Sudeikis, like cousin or like... Uh his half-brother. Right. Like, they, he just, like, looks like a lot of people and acts like yeah. a lot of people, but aren't he's not any of them, and you're like... He's a
1: composite of C-grade version. of If you of put these both actors.
2: of those actors in some sort of, like, AI in, in the cloud or whatever, and you mixed them up, you'd get the mayor of Lambton or whatever it's called. Yes. So to go along <laughs> with more of our bingo traits, they're always fresh off of a breakup, so both of them are... They have a classic mute cute where she yells at him for being an asshole to his assistant that he's lightly hazing. And it has to be noted immediately that the two leads have like a negative amount of chemistry. Like they do not look like they're interested in each other, let alone will fuck at any sort of distant point in the future. They barely look like they want to kiss each other. Like talk about closed fucking mouth kiss at the end. Like, just like like the way you kiss your grandma. It's like gross. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that at all. Give me that Zola commercial, please. No. At least those people look in love. Um, <laughs> Let me see. You know who does have chemistry are their assistants. So she has an assistant that, like, helps with, like, the manner or whatever. And then he has an assistant that he's hazing in that first scene. Those two have a ton of chemistry. And that is the Christmas spirit baby coming in here and getting people to fall in love. There are
1: so many instances where I watch movies and I root more for the secondary couple. Like they're just such better actors. The chemistry's there. They whatever happens to the prime characters, I could give less of shit. But like. Um, the secondary characters, however, are way better, more compelling, and I just want nothing but good things for them.
2: I'm going to run through two quick Hallmark tropes here, which is there's a dead mom alert for Mr. Darcy. And also every woman in a Hallmark movie is a party planner. She's also a lawyer or just went to law school. (laughs) There always is some weird, not weird, obscure job, but like a job that, you know, you rarely run into in your day-to-day life.
1: One that you thought you could have at like 16, but then when you went to college and you realized what? unemployment pros- or employment prospects look
2: like. You realize you that look up that's real quick from that real- museum curator job. So bi- oh, the business yeah. there's a oh, business yeah. conflict of interest that ruins the spirit of Christmas. But we believe in the magic of Christmas again because we keep yelling it at each other and because Santa is real. He is sort of like the groundskeeper that comes with the house. Again, he's the tannest person I've ever fucking seen, Emily. He looks like a goddamn purse. He's like this bald, tan santa man who sean called immediately he's like i bet that guy's santa and then walked out of the room and then came back at the very end he's like oh is that dude santa told you and it's true because these movies don't give a shit they'll throw a santa with a tan anyway at any place at any time he santa ostensibly shows up to Pumberley manor moved by the spirit of christmas and also elizabeth bennett's christmas wish which was to find true love and it ends up being mr darcy and they have one Gross, tight-lipped kiss at the very end that you do not believe, but I guarantee you, those two assistants booked that night. It's a Christmas miracle.
1: <laughs> Glad to see the spirit of Christmas works in spirit mysterious of is alive ways. Alive and well. Well, I can say the same here that my movie was uh, instead of borrowing from a book, it borrowed from like five or six different fish out of water princess amazing movie. oh yes
2: i remember um, this one now we're
1: yes 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 this is a Lacey chabert film that is called a royal christmas it borrows of course from a christmas prince and then uh it borrows from i'll go i'll get into it more i'll just do a quick outline of the plot and then i'll give you a little bit of where i was able to kind of realize oh that's straight from like princess diaries or whatever so our girl, Emily Taylor, and of course I picked this because her name's Emily, is a seamstress who works in her family's business in Philly. She has a vaguely European boyfriend uh, or ambiguously European boyfriend. Um, his name is Leo. We find out he's from a country called Cordonia. And guess what? It's reeks of Genovia to me. I love that they- um, I think
2: we're led to believe it's like Luxembourg or something like that. I love or that Monaco. Hallmark also stands a made-up foreign country. Oh, my
1: God, does it not love it? It is incredible how many fake I would love for someone. This is a poster idea for calling all graphic artists out there. If you can comprise a poster of all the made up lands in Hallmark World and could like make a map out of that, I would pay good money for it. By that I mean I'd probably pay ten dollars and have like a small Wait, of I thought that you were but confident I would in Photoshop be now. Oh, you're right. <laughs> who am i who am i calling out for these requests i am Emily. i don't the need no man she could do it her I damn self Photoshop that's right that is fucking right so emily and finds out her vaguely european boyfriend leo is a prince and he's from a country My favorite kind Fondonia, of man a vaguely european one A vaguely European one, like he might have an interesting accent mark in his name. Uh, (laughs) They go to Cordenia for Christmas, where she meets his mom, who's played by Jane Seymour, Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. And of course, she hates her because she's American and common, um, and she's Lacey Chabert. (laughs) And she ends up meeting other, she luckily makes friends with some of the help around the house, including the butler whose name is victor um who we get a nice uh you know manners montage similar to princess diaries where she learns how to be more royal like and noble like in the meantime we are also introduced to during a trip when they're getting a christmas tree in the town square we meet an orphan girl named poppy because of course this movie had to have a scrappy too you also need to always have like a dash Um, of whimsy
2: for when it gets a little bit dark
1: dash of whimsy a small child for a plot point is always a nice sprinkle that you can add to the hallmark movie mix um and then she also meets another fellow princess whose name is kalina she's the baroness of newbury who is a commoner like her and married into the family um and they become friends over the shared commonness anyway over time uh meanwhile the Queen is also, um, Jane Seymour's character, the Queen, is trying to split Emily and Leo apart by reintroducing Leo's ex-girlfriend into the mix, who's kind of a bitch. Her name is Natasha, and in real life, she's actually played by Jane Seymour's daughter. Um, Anyway... Emily, while she's able to look the part, is just not having it because she's realizing it's always going to be an uphill battle with his mom in the picture. So when Leo finally proposes, she rejects him. She goes back to the U.S. Isadora, the queen, realizes what she has done and apologizes to Leo. So she, Leo, and the butler Victor, because guess what? Once upon a time, Apparently Jane Seymour's character in the butler had a thing before she had to go marry a prince because she was not a commoner. But anyway, they go save the day. He reproposes to her and they live happily ever after. And uh, we end on their wedding. So this movie, of course, because there's an orphan introduced in the mix at the end, we presume that sh- this orphan has been um, adopted by Galena, the other commoner princess and her husband, I mean, of course, there's an etiquette montage. Uh, the other things that really stood out to me that were just like those kind of Prince, newfound princess fish out of water movies were the etiquette montage, which is the Princess Diaries. This has a bit of the what a girl wants in the fact that there's a grand ball scene where she wears one of the old Queen's dresses and redesigns it because, of course, she's a seamstress, and it looks hip and young now. Um, disapproving of her son's commoner American girlfriend, that is straight out of the Prince and Me. The Queen having a relationship with the Butler, that is from the Princess Diaries. This was just kind of like someone kind of got into a room, a couple writers, were like, "We like these five or six movies. How can we take one small plot point from each and combine them into a composite?" Much like our composite. Bobo, Jason Sudeikis, Ryan Reynolds from our previous movie. This feels like a composite of all the Princess Fish Out of Water movies that came out in the last 15 years. In terms of anything else really notable in this movie, I mean, there's just one quote that I just have to bring up. I think I brought it up when we recorded last time. She, Emily, gives the Queen (laughs) as a Christmas present a snow globe of Philadelphia because she is from Philly. And Jane Seymour proceeds to say... How charming. A cracked bell and a little bald man. Put it somewhere special is what she tells the butler. And that is all you need
2: to know about this movie. Wow. A Royal Christmas That's not what you give a queen yet. a fucking snow globe. That's what you give a child. No, no. Oh, my God. Wow. These movies. And no, on no planet I, with this gone The delusion jumps well. out. And yet I don't want them to change a single thing except become more inclusive and diverse. Of course, that's all. I our mean, that's really it. Christmas like, wish. I
1: will say in the last that is our Christmas wish. I think in the last twenty four hours, Hallmark has said, "JK, we're going to bring the Zola ad back onto TV," but uh, too little, too late. I think. I, I At think least the damage has Hall- also season. been done in a lot of ways. So for sure. Well, I believe Zola will no longer work with Hallmark. Like they pulled any partnerships that Whoa. they had together. Which, well, considering uh, well, that they're sort of park,
2: like the yeah. Bachelor of or. Considering that Hallmark is like the bachelor of holiday movies, that doesn't bode very well for them since the whole thing is kind of based upon the fact that you need to get married and that's why you can only have one very chaste virginal kiss at the end and then you save yourself for marriage. At least that's the implication. Just like we can't say Jesus, so we'll just say the spirit of Christmas.
1: The spirit of Christmas. (laughs) Just don't throw holy water
2: on me because I might disintegrate.
1: I'm I'm currently flicking hot chocolate into the mic. You may not hear it. The fact but that I'm a dumb there. bitch is
2: well known and noted. So, <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, thanks for tuning in to our mini episode. It really wasn't that mini because we've been talking for a lot longer than we intended to. But isn't that always just the case? It's.
1: It, I mean, that's a sign and, of old oldness. And friendship, us bitching about
2: Hallmark. We have a few more, more mini so. episodes coming out in the next couple of weeks, but don't take our word for it <laughs> or do. I mean, I don't know, man. Just hit subscribe. And if you really liked what you heard, tell somebody yeah. and don't forget to review and rate us on iTunes or wherever you can leave rate and reviewing business. Wow, that really kind of fell apart there at the end. Another great way to keep in touch (laughs) is to follow us on Facebook. We're at The Old Millennials Pod. Bye.
1: Indeed. Happy holidays. May the spirit of
2: Christmas be
0: unto you.
2: (laughs) Bye. And unto you, ma'am.
0: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.